sorry, you can sit there and look and play with all your silly machines as much as you Shots. like. What a stop! Shots from Ben! Oh! Oh! Jordan Ben! Yes! Jordan Henderson! Yes! I mean, that sort of stuff, we're, it, it's been... We're, be- we're bigger than that. That interview is just like the performance, flat. No. Well, I mean, what do you want him to do? Just fall at Gabriel's feet crying? I mean, well, he's... I say something... We, we were doing what we'd done for 20 years, relaxing a nervous studio guest in the same way that you would in, in these conditions, um, and thought no more of it. Fire it up, fire it up, when we finally turn it over, make You all are loyal, dedicated followers, listeners. What are people who tune into podcasts called? I was going to say something disparaging <laughs> towards our few listeners. Yeah, um, you owe them whatever they are. Great taste. Yeah, depending on the podcast, clearly. Yeah, you owe them whatever they're called. The collective, a, an apology. I think I do. Yes, you do. Why is that? Why do you think? Because I wasn't here last week. We've had no podcast. You lost your voice last week. I lost so my that's voice your first last week. Place of apology, well, and then the week before that, you just weren't bothered. Not the week before that, we did one. Oh, really? Two weeks ago, we did oh. one. We did an FA Cup Spectacular. Oh, okay. We did a few predictions for the rest of the season. Dave McIntyre went well out on a limb and has predicted that Spurs are going to finish in the top four. <laughs> Easy. When Before you said, are going to finish in the top four, when it comes to Dave, I was half expecting him to say they were going to get relegated. No, he thinks they're going to finish in All the right. top four. And his basis on this is Harry Kane, I presume, or what's the essence uh, of that essentially point? Essentially, um, his top four, I think, was... Chelsea, City, Arsenal and Spurs. So, so no United Manchester United. Out, he yeah. just doesn't uh, have any faith in United. United City, Arsenal and Spurs and Liverpool obviously the resurgence of Liverpool. He didn't see Liverpool getting anywhere close. Right. My top four was Chelsea, City, Arsenal and United. I think it's difficult to argue with that. Thanks. If Southampton continue, we've expected this Southampton thing to fall off for a long time. Is the only counterpoint to the idea that Southampton at some point that's you know and and, and in fairness, not as if they've been in massive form for a lot of that yeah. uh, period. They've been actually not accumula- accumulating a lot of points, but because everybody behind them they'd won five of the last such, six uh, before last form. weekend. Yeah, all right, and drawn the other one, mm. so they accumulated quite a number. Of prior points, to right that, there. prior to they'd that gone run. on a bad run, yeah. five yeah. in a row without winning. Yeah. But uh, I. On what I've seen from the last couple of weeks, I think it's going to be very tight between United and Liverpool for fourth place. I'm still not convinced by Spurs. I'm not having it. I'm not having a pal. I'm not having a pal. He's right. I'm not having it. Interesting. And uh, Southampton just don't have the strength in depth. But I'm sure we'll get to all that. We'll definitely get to that. Harry Kane specifically I want to talk about in a little bit. So lots to come. Adrian Barry and Nathan Murphy, you're welcome along. And I apologise, Nathan, for making you... uh, Make an apology, which you didn't deliver in the end anyway, so I well, lose too much sleep. But where were you? Where were you? Uh, last Friday, I was on a beach. I don't want to know. Enjoying myself. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> you can enjoy yourself doing other things than those things that you're suggesting. Okay. Okay, you were just relaxing. I was taking it easy. Um, yeah. But I'm back you, now. You, you were gone for a couple of weeks, getting married. Yeah. Congratulations. Thanks very much. You're yeah. a changed man. Yeah, yeah. Somebody sent me an email today saying, oh, it really changes life, doesn't it? It really doesn't. No, it no, really it's, doesn't. It's quite a disappointment in reality. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, uh, luckily my wife doesn't. I'm sure your to wife this. is a navid follower. Of, um, yeah, yeah. There's no real change in life. It's kind of you just continue with, like, I mean, there's the high of the wedding, and you know, everybody's, you know, you have a good time, and then you go in for your honeymoon, which is essentially just 
a holiday, uh, and everybody enjoys themselves, and then you get back to normal life again. Yeah, well, we did mention on the podcast a couple of weeks ago that you had a new role as the sports editor, so right. technically you're our boss, right? technically, yeah. and that we should start treating you with a bit more respect on the podcast. But right. over the course of the podcast, we came to the conclusion that respect needs to be earned, so <laughs> you can start now. Um, yeah, yeah. And the idea that to start treating me with a bit more respect would suggest that there was any respect to begin well, with. Well, that is that is fair enough. Which is a flawed theory. One of the uh, sort of talking points that's grabbed my attention today is that Roy Keane is back in English football. Kind of back in English football. He's back doing his punditry with ITV. Adrian Childs, who by all accounts, it seems that himself and Roy Keane had built up some sort of rapport. They were at all Ireland's hurling finals, if uh, yeah. what we read is to be believed over the last while. But Adrian Childs has left and Roy Keane has decided, that's fine, I'm going to go back to my But Adrian Childs there. is still around until the end of the season, isn't Is that he? it? No, Mark Pugach is in, I think, pretty much straight away. Right? Oh, I, I presumed um, that Childs is there to the end of this season and uh-huh. then Pugach is taking over. I'm presuming the opposite. Okay. <laughs> the truth is either one or the, the other. The truth is on the internet. Yeah. We might actually bother to look up the internet in the next few minutes, but in the meantime, Roy Keane is back on our screens. PSG, Chelsea in 10 days' time. I'm delighted, I have to say. He uh, he brightens up all our lives. Not necessarily that he's uh, of that sort of disposition himself, but exposure to the thoughts of Roy Keane can't really be a bad thing. No, the more Roy Keane we have in our life, the better, because it's never boring. Yeah. Dion Fanning had a very good article on, on Roy uh, last weekend about how Roy belongs on the stage, but he just doesn't want to be there. Yeah, you see, you say that. He says he doesn't want to be there, but actually everything he does in terms of his actions suggests that he really wants to be there. He really enjoys this. He, he loves being front and centre. He's the guy who says, no, oh, I don't want to be, I don't want to take the lead role here. I don't want to be that centre stage. And then you turn, you turn around and there he is. Yeah, with I, his King Lear costume I on. was quite surprised to see he's gone back to um, ITV. You are correct, Mark Pugach is taking over straight away. Adrian Childs is just gone. Like yeah, that, I well, can't believe a it. Of, there's a little bit of respect straight away, I would think. Earned. Uh, yeah. But Roy Keane steps away from the Aston Villa job because it's too busy. I know this is very little work. You fly off to Paris, you're there. But he, he did speak about this in the past, and even that he found could yeah, become oh, quite tiring. Absolutely, yeah. Like it's a, it's a whole day's uh, work, essentially. So what we've now had is a situation where for the three months where Ireland haven't had a game, that Roy has been scouting. He's had one job. Mm. Whereas now again... We're coming into the run-up to the game against Poland. I'm always going to be back doing other work for see, ITV. Yeah, I would think that. I would actually think for him... Do you think, does he just love money? He doesn't need... Roy Keane does not need the money. Everybody needs money. You, the more you have, the more you want. Yeah, and I guess your your lifestyle becomes more accustomed to the amount of money you have. Exactly, but that remember said, he had to tell the kids, he had to tell the girls, <laughs> we're not going to Dubai, we're going to Cork. Christ, Dubai as well, by the way. I would have, you know, for a family holiday... Yeah. Anyway, uh, look, I think he enjoys it. I, th- I actually think, in many ways, he needs this sort of thing. Now, I know there's a bunch of Irish players, coincidentally, playing the night that uh, PSG are ch- uh, playing Chelsea. In the championship. Pres- uh, yeah, presumably that'll be covered elsewhere. But um, I would think that Roy Keane needs ITV as much as ITV needs Roy Keane. He's the sort of chap I can't imagine does particularly well sitting at home on a Wednesday afternoon, sort of, you know, just pottering about going to the shops picking up the kids I can't imagine that's something that Keane deals particularly well with I'm, I'm not privy to Roy Keane's feelings on his private life but I would imagine he has people advising him stay in the spotlight if you want a full time manager's job if that is where you want to be in the next couple of years 
Mm. Stay on the TV screens. People need to remember you. Yeah. The only counterpoint to that is that it's Roy Keane and maybe less exposure to what Roy Keane is really like might not be the worst thing in terms of him getting a new job. He said, I, I, like, I was thinking about this with Tim Sherwood. I think it's a very similar situation. So why would Queen's Park Rangers give Tim Sherwood the job? He's been a manager for six months, didn't set the world alight. But I'm fairly sure all these clubs get media reports. So every week, they, every day probably, they get a list of how many times the club is mentioned in the newspapers and are on Sky Sports. And I'd imagine Tim Sherwood and Roy Keane in particular score very high on that front. We remember at Ipswich. Sky Sports are at every single Roy Keane mm. press conference. I don't see too many Mick McCarthy press conferences. Yeah. But I think the higher, the greater publicity that Roy has, something Neil Lennon spoke about before that before he got this job and after leaving Celtic, he was on everything. Because you need to stay fresh in the minds. It's like yeah. we, I think but we so, think, so we think managerial think- appointments are this big technical, in some clubs they are, and there's weeks of discussion and this is the type of person that we want to fit into our management structure and take the club forward a lot of the times it's just a rich guy who switches on Sky Sports on Sunday morning and sees Neil Lennon sitting down on the TV and go oh, Neil Lennon he's still around yeah mm. he was a great manager wasn't he mm. hadn't thought about him in a couple of days it's interesting I'm not saying it's entirely wrong either um, I'd be worried about a club running their club by the amount of media hits they've had that day and that that would be in any way a factor into their choice of manager I'm, I'm, as I said, fully accepting that that might actually be part of the ritual at some clubs, and you actually suspect that QPR could well be one of those. Well, clubs. that's I would imagine Tony Fernandez is above all the owners is someone who could fall into that category. I'm interested to see, like, it, there's never really been a huge amount of fallout from Roy's analysis so far. Uh, if he's perhaps if he's covering a Bayern Munich game, it could be something completely innocuous. He's covering Bayern Munich on ITV. And Lewandowski has a shocker. And he destroys him. And suddenly, we're playing Poland two weeks later. And this is on all the front yeah. of all the Polish You see, papers. I think he's just too smart. I think Keane is too smart to... He know, I think he knows where that line is. You know what I mean? He's not actually a very good pundit. Yeah. He, like, technically, you compare him to Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher, and he's nowhere near that level. Most nights you watch ITV. Now, it's a difficult situation because ITV is a commercial broadcaster. They have a huge amount of ad breaks. You're basically talking in 30-second sound bites. There's no But that real- should make it easier to... I would think, like, okay, I've, I've actually just got one thing to say about this half and it's a really important point and I've got 30 seconds to do it. And that, that should be actually be an easier thing than having the... Yeah. Sometimes the five like, minutes I would to- never sit down and watch ITV's coverage, say if it was Real Madrid against if it's Real Madrid or even Manchester City against Barcelona in a couple of weeks mm-hmm. and if Manchester City play well and it's a two-all draw I'd have no real interest in what Roy Keane has to say about it you're going to switch on to see what Roy Keane says if Manchester City lose 3 or 4-0 mm. because he's going to destroy them mm. Mm. so it's only when mm. there is an extreme that Roy comes to the fore yeah yeah there's definitely some merit in that I, I, I like everybody else but what are the moments you remember of Roy Keane on ITV well, the, there was that the, one from the introduction. Yeah. Michael Carrick. Yeah. Uh, there was the uh, the day after himself and Neil were O'Neill. confirmed as the Ireland management team. Um, but Roy Keane's style of analysis and probably his style of coaching and management is just picking out one or two instances and being hypercritical about yeah. that. OTT on it, probably. Completely. 
Right. But it makes him a lot of money. It does, and he's probably making a little bit more as well. Clearly not. <laughs> uh, our live games, uh, by the way, on Sunday and off the ball, we're going to be at St James's Park for Newcastle Stoke Woo! at five past two. Nathan is cheering because he'd be there alongside Steve McPhail. Uh, and we should have plenty of build up to that game for you as well and West Ham against United then at a quarter past four from Upton Park we'll be staying uh, with that game until the slightly later time just past six with Dave and Kenny Cunningham so all that to come lots of action on Saturday as well and let's go to it it's going to begin with Tottenham Arsenal at White Hart Lane it's the lunchtime game uh, Arsenal two points ahead of Spurs in the table heading into this one it feels in some ways like a gap that maybe doesn't fully reflect the possibilities of either team now maybe Dave McIntyre's uh, comments he certainly sounds as if he might disagree with that but the headline news here is that Alexis the Ox Wilshire Debussy are among the walking wounded for Arsenal despite all that are we massively surprised that Arsenal are 6-5 to five to win this game? Uh, away from home at White Hart Lane I would... I'm not quite sure. Arsenal have been impressive in recent weeks. There's certainly been a resurgence. They have a new style of play that I think they've been working towards all season, away from home in particular, a little bit more defensive, certainly not committing as many men forward. But I just wonder, have they been lulled into a false sense of security after the win against Aston Villa? Because it's Aston Villa. They're mm-hmm. terrible. They win 5-0. And Alexis Sanchez doesn't play. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain doesn't play. They bring in Theo Walcott and Mesut Ozil both of whom have good games, both of whom have score. Ozil is looking mean, looking pretty fit. But I just think against one of the better teams, as Spurs are in this league, without Sanchez, it's such a huge blow. They're not a one-man team, but they go from being a decent team to being potential title challengers Mm -hmm. with Sanchez there. I also don't think with Arsenal, all these players returning is necessarily a good thing. In what way? So, obviously, it's a good headache for Arsene Wenger, is what he's going to say, when everyone's fit. But they have a system now, and they have got a strategy whereby they play Cockwell and Ramsey as the two holding midfielders, Oxlade-Chamberlain on the right, Sanchez on the left, and Cazorla in the middle behind Giroud. That's what they played against Manchester City. That's kind of what they've been getting to over the last couple of months. It works. I just still listen to Wenger talking. I think he wants to get Ozil into that team. Mm. I don't see where Ozil fits into that team that's a team that works really hard that has a huge amount of skill anyways between Cazorla and Alexis Sanchez but why just try and squeeze him as just make him on in, the bench you're just squeezing him in for the sake of it is what you're saying like in terms of the, 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 the point that you make about the depth like so all those players out that we mentioned and then so Walcott and Ozil come in and do decently and then also when you talk about like the emergence of Coughlin, who which has been pretty uh, phenomenal over the last few months, and Hector Bellerin in defence as well, that suddenly you look at it and say, well, actually there is a bit more bit of depth there that maybe we haven't seen even from some of the top teams. Yeah, but it's 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 all just too late. Arsenal season is done unless they can unless now you look at the group of players they have, maybe they can go and do something in the Champions League. But with regards to league, where is this going to end up again? Hmm. Celebrating finishing in the top four. Are they going to go on a run of 10-11 games like Liverpool? I saw them at West Ham just after Christmas and it was, a, it was a very Manchester City-esque performance like similar to their performance against City where West Ham were in a good run at the time. They played a bit deeper. They soaked up the pressure. They got their couple of goals. And you're watching them thinking, well, this is a side who could easily go on a winning run. Mm. Three days later, they go to Southampton. Similar setup, playing quite well for the first half an hour and two complete just brain farts from Chesney. Mm. And you still watch this Arsenal side and say, no matter how much depth they have, 
no matter how consistent they look, there's still that potential. So there's no sense that the, you know, because is it, is it five wins from the last five or something like that or whatever it is, that the, the City game obviously sandwiched in, in the middle of all that. Like there's no sense that that was Arsenal then and this is Arsenal now and something has changed? You see, I, I, I get why everyone was so full of praise after the Manchester City game, but I'd commentated on, I think, five or six Arsenal games, five of them away from home. And they had been getting towards this system the whole time. They weren't committing men pl- as many men forward as they were last season. Probably because of what happened against Manchester City and Chelsea and Liverpool mm. when they were humiliated. So they were playing a bit deeper. They were making individual errors. The match against Liverpool just before Christmas, the exact same situation. Like We were getting criticised on commentary that we were being biased towards Liverpool and we were being too critical of Arsenal. But Arsenal, were, they drew to all, but they were terrible. Like All the play was in their own hands. that, yeah. And it wasn't that different against Manchester City. The difference was that they were so focused. They didn't make a mistake for the entire match. But this Arsenal group of players, maybe it has changed, but this Arsenal group of players over the last two or three seasons have shown that that level of concentration, it just never seems to last with them. Mm. And I would also worry about this Alexis Sanchez injury that seemed to be nothing this time last week, might possibly miss the game last weekend. Now he's going to miss this game as well. Although Arsene Wenger saying, oh, he's desperate to play. He's telling the medical staff he's fine. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, you do not want the player leading that uh, conversation. No. We shall see how that one pans out. We did uh, want to talk about uh, Harry Kane. We might do that on the programme on Saturday afternoon. Arsenal do have a very good record, clearly, against uh, Spurs. They've won five of the last seven between them. It's my first commentary game last year, White Hart Lane. Yeah. Spurs-Arsenal. Yeah. Thomas Rosicki. Fond memories of that day. Sweaty palms. Yeah. Um, yeah, by my all my equipment didn't work two minutes before my first ever commentary. Ah. That was great, and then uh, Thomas Rosicki scored inside a minute. Yeah, well, that's that's a good way to settle you into it. Yeah, uh, Jack Wilcher, by the way, has been caught smoking again. A picture of him has emerged. Uh, he was out watching the Super Bowl at the weekend and was lacing into a shisha pipe. And uh, Arsene Wenger, I think, has said today, if I'm right, that he's not particularly worried about it, despite there been a lot of writing during the week that Wenger's going to be very, very worried about this. So um, we shall see how that uh, pans out. It just kind of one. feeds into the general feeling that Jack Wilshere is not going to fulfil his potential. You look at this Arsenal yeah. side now, and they're certainly a better team without him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which isn't to say that... There isn't a role for Jack Wilshere at Arsenal. You know, I think that would be like if he in any way shows some of the lives up to some of the potential that he's shown over the last while. Um, I, I mean, we're clearly not saying that. How stupid are these footballers? How stupid is Jack Wilshere? This is the second yeah. time he's been caught. Yeah. He somebody said, oh, is taking. Somebody has a camera and they're putting pointing it in your face. It's at least a second, isn't it? Is it maybe more than that? But it's one of these shisha pipes. Have you ever tried them? No, it's a mix of fruit and It's like a water, tobacco. this water, but you know, those things with a massive big lead out yeah. of it. And they're absolutely disgusting. It's like North African, sort of Middle Eastern uh, thing that people do to chill themselves out and relax. They're absolutely foul. It's not like smoking a cigarette. I mean, which in itself is pretty disgusting, but... Yeah, it's just another smoking scenario involving Arsenal after Chesney a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Wilshire, in fairness, has said that, oh, I'm very sorry, I said I made a mistake the first time, and I said I made a mistake the second time. Um, so we shall see you that. I'll just give it a little give rub me eye there. I'll just give it a little rub for you. It feels nice. It feels nice. Yeah, that's uh, time to move on there, Nathan. What the hell was that from? You don't remember where that was from. 
re-run the fun. I'll just give it a little. Give me eye there. I'll just give it a little rub for you. It feels nice. It feels nice. Well, that was last night's show. Wasn't yes, it, it was. <laughs> Did you not? You, you don't, I, I do remember that now. Do you remember saying it and thinking, "Oh shit"? What have I just well, said? I do remember looking around and making <laughs> the production studio falling off the chair going, oh my God, what has he you just said? Joe. But if you were watching on TV, it, it made more sense. Well, no, there's a, there is a thought. Context to that comment. There we go. Aston Villa against Chelsea at uh, Villa Park is one of the three o'clock games. Villa obviously on the back. Uh, Nathan mentioned that 5-0 thumping at Arsenal uh, by Arsenal last weekend. Uh, Chelsea, five points clear at the top. Before we get to Chelsea, Nathan, it's Paul Lambert's 100th game um, in charge of Aston Villa. They've won how many of those? Ooh, 100 games, I would say. Three seasons, they've won 23. No, uh, surprisingly low guess from you there. 48, they've won of those. Out of 100 games? This is the statistic that I've read today from a very reliable source. Really? Yeah. Now, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't uh, average out all that well for them. Scored less than a goal per game and averaged a fraction over one point per game. Does that tally to if they've won half their games? That could tally. That could no, tell you, right? If no, were... because you get three points for a win. Yeah. Now this is it's his one hundredth game, not his one hundredth league game. <sighs> so if he won forty eight league games, yeah. he'd be on a hundred. Yeah. And... So yeah. perhaps it's where, no, but, where, but, but, where no, did you steal no, this but from? Hang on, because that would suggest then that they've had a great success in the cups, cups which, which they, they haven't, haven't because no. they've been by a lot of really shit teams over the last couple of years. Um, let's move on from that. That was the statistic <laughs> that I read, which now appears um, I'm questioning not to really stand up very well. Um, but anyway. What is it, nine hours? More than nine it's hours? A, uh, ten hours, I think it's six. I have it here somewhere. 612 minutes uh, without a goal. The seventh longest goal drought in Premier League history. Um, there are a couple of managers. The In terms of their, their um, points per game, only Mick McCarthy with Wolves had a worse record after 100 Premier League games. And Mick McCarthy lasted uh, for 101 games. Um, before he got the bullet. So clearly it's sort of finger on the trigger time you would think for Aston Villa as well. Time for Lambert to move on? Over time for him to move on? We were having this conversation last summer before the season even started and then they won their And then they were second at the table in September. And they were, he was getting a new contract. Uh, but this is the second drought they've had. I remember being at Villa Park earlier in the season when they played Spurs and Vyman scored and I think that ended a yeah. drought of eight, hour, eight and a half hours. And now we're back again. The, the biggest problem they have and the biggest disappointment has been Benteke, who actually, I think, if they were to be relegated, you, you would look back at that Spurs game where they were leading by goal to nil. They were playing really well. And Benteke got sent off after an hour and they ended up losing the game. He missed every game in November. Don't think he scored since then. And he is the one player who you would think is has a touch of being world-class about him. But it's just such a... I think Paul Lambert agrees with you, by the way. He was talking to the press this week and everything he was saying in terms of the possibility of Villa turning the corner related to Christian Benteke somehow finding some vein of form. I did read a brilliant piece of journalism. It wasn't where I got that statistic from uh, about uh, Aston Villa and how they can beat Chelsea. Now, it was written by a Villa fan. It has they beat to be them said. last season. They did. They've, I mean, Jose Mourinho in five attempts at Aston Villa has never won. So, you know, but I mean, I don't think that really counts for much this weekend. But this fine piece of journalism from this Aston Villa fan had a five-point blueprint to getting something out of the game. It was, forget about the Arsenal result, first key thing. It was, keep it tight early on, 
you know, second point of this blueprint. Get under their skin. I oh, put the boot in. Don't let Matic dominate. I mean, that's very straightforward. Yeah, Don't easy. let Matic dominate. And Don't. finally, Benteke must put a shift in. So it's a pretty simple game plan. Yeah, well, if they'd been doing that all season, they wouldn't be in the position they're in. <laughs> yeah. Like, put the boot in. That's fine. Like, that's what you should have been saying against Arsenal last week. Like, their tactics last week against Arsenal were bizarre, where they played this really high line and let Arsenal get in behind them time and time again. It seemed to make no sense. Put the boot in against Chelsea. Chelsea are the toughest team in the league. Chelsea are ready for a fight. You like, I mean, match, play, match. playing high line against a team with the pace of Arsenal would seem to be absolutely nuts, which would point to the fact that, that I mean, that's Lambert's doing quite Well, there's a point to the fact that Lambert just feels they need to get goals and they need to push everything further up the pitch that we're going to get beaten anyway so we well, might as well try and well, get a couple of goals there's a very good chance if we sit back Arsenal yeah. are going to score anyways but I need to show that I have a little bit of ambition yeah. but it's like where, where is this going Like with Aston Villa if they survive if they finish 17th it's just such a nothing season yeah. you can tell why the whole tent is half empty for every match now there's they're easily the most boring club in the Premier League <laughs> I presume, and we spoke about this on the show recently, that Randy Lerner's plan is, in the next couple of weeks, the new Premier League deal is going to be announced, the TV rights deal. So you get, you're guaranteed, you finish 17th, you're guaranteed about 65 million. With the next rights deal, you're probably going to be guaranteed around 90 million. Right. So if you're selling the club, that's a lot of guaranteed revenue. You know, if you can say, if if we're going to stay in the Premier League League for three seasons, with a little bit of investment, they should be able to do that. So you're selling the club and saying... 270 million guaranteed revenue Yeah, that you would get a decent price and you would get somebody who has a little bit of an interest. The only problem is that with that that investment can't now come obviously until the end of this season mm. and whether they can see that out obviously is the big question so we shall see on that uh, but we did mention uh, Mourinho's terrible record no win from five previous attempts at Aston Villa and he has no Costa this weekend Fabregas, Mikel and Willian all doubtful too so it almost comes back to that uh, discussion we were having about Arsenal and in terms of the depth they have but I'll, all that aside it's a pretty foregone conclusion right? You would assume so Chelsea have a habit of winning these type of games 2-0 not exerting themselves a huge amount mm. but losing Fabregas and Costa is massive uh, They, I wasn't particularly impressed with them against Manchester City last weekend it was a bit of a nothing game but clearly with Costa and Fabregas gone their game plan shifts slightly Qu- Quadrados come in um, mm. should offer if Williams a doubt he might go straight into the side maybe offers something a little bit different is a little bit more direct than the rest of the players on the side. I, it's a good game to have with Costa and Fabregas missing. Mm. Presum- Look, you can't make a case for Aston Villa winning this <laughs> I was game. wondering where you were going to end that. I, 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 Chelsea aren't at their best at the moment. They're looking a little bit tired, but I still think Chelsea win this game. Müssen alleine das Spiel gewinnen! Müssen alleine das Spiel gewinnen! All right, Trap, we will move on to the next game. Very briefly, mind you, Leicester City against Crystal Palace at the King Power. It's a game I'll be keeping an eye on tomorrow afternoon. Uh, Nathan, one very Nathan, yeah, one very Nathan Murphy statistic here for you. Um, if Premier League games ended at halftime this season, Palace will be bottom and not Leicester. Now, you sit, go on. What does that tell us? Actually, there might be something to it. And they're fact. fit. Yeah, and they, with a little bit of character about them, a little bit of... Daring do, a bit of fighting spirit, and perhaps bodes well is what I would think. It's not as frivolous a stat as I had initially maybe alluded to. Yeah, Palace are going to be fine. 
they're going to win a lot of games at home. Uh, I'm not sure if they'll win this weekend at Leicester, but there are where are they? They're thirteenth at the moment, and there's certainly three worst teams in the Premier League. Mm. They're going to have Yednek back. Balassi is going to be back as well. So their two best players are returning, and they've done quite well since Alan Pardew came in. Yeah, that is Leicester City, Crystal Palace. What about the boy Keane at Nottingham Forest? I said, get him bought. Get him bought. Manchester City and Hull City at the Etihad. Uh, speculation continue to grow that Steve Bruce is a man under pressure here as well. Uh, third from bottom of uh, the table currently, Hull City. Presumably not going to get a huge amount out of the Etihad either. Bruce is kind of digging in. There was a point at uh, not so long ago where Steve Bruce was you know, the whole saviour and this guy is was you know attracting interest from Newcastle and several other clubs in the vicinity. And then suddenly, as is the nature of football, he's yesterday's man. Yeah, and that's why when you get an offer like that, you should probably take it. Yeah. Because your stock, his stock will never be higher than it was at the end of last season when they came so close to winning the FA Cup final. They are suffering from raised expectations from that. And he bought, bizarrely, he bought very non-Steve Bruce type players. Like you think of Steve Bruce, you think of a no-nonsense side. Mm. And they had a little bit of money. Like, bringing him, had him been Arfa. They brought in Gaston Ramirez. That hasn't worked out. And guys who he relied on, the likes of Stephen Quinn, who is a very straight-up professional, solid guy. You know what you're going to get, 7 out of 10 every week. They've kind of been pushed aside. And I spoke to Stephen Quinn before Christmas about this and about Hull's struggles and the players they brought in. And he said, yeah, it's been difficult because there's been four or five changes to the team every single week there's no consistency whereas last season when they were getting to a cup final and they were pretty comfortable in mid-table you knew the team every week mm-hmm. and the players knew and I guess if you are a lot a lot of guys like Stephen Quinn even you can see McShane has been pretty pissed off in recent weeks uh, that's He's back. Is he back? I haven't. I haven't tracked that in the last while. He, there was a point in the year the where he came back in and did sort of decently enough. But you're, but you're right. I mean, I suppose the other side of that is like from Steve Bruce's point of view, he's obviously been that guy for a long time, and maybe he thought, okay, we have established ourselves in the Premier League here, and maybe I should try to start to show a little bit of ambition to try and get us further up the table, and it's just completely backfired on him. Like he, in some yeah. ways, he's not to be faulted for no. That is you know, it, like, and there's a lot of teams in that position that Mm. you do quite well and also supporters look at clubs like Southampton yeah an unfashionable side and would look at Southampton and go well they had a great season last season and you know all we need is a little bit of investment we're getting 70 million quid in prize money let's spend 30 million of that but I guess maybe maybe it's a scouting system also they have a problem in Hull in that you know who really wants to move to Hull yeah we've had this discussion before (laughs) nobody (laughs) Yeah, no, nobody. Yeah. If you've got a choice between Hull and somewhere else, you're going to go somewhere else. It's an unfair benchmark too with Southampton because obviously there's a trickle of players coming through from a bloody impressive academy um, which props up all of that. But the more interesting, obviously, uh, subject matter at the Etihad Stadium is the home team. Um, Vincent Company this week, um, I know you're president and chief of his fan yeah. club, Nathan. Um, he said this week, five points behind in January or February. Big deal. And he points to how they hauled in Liverpool last year. But, I mean... Chelsea aren't Liverpool, you it's know. It's a very different beast. You really are it's a different bigger, beast. You look around stronger that, beast. Around that team, they're a group of players who, in many ways, knows what it takes to win. They have a manager who definitely knows what it takes to win. Um, I don't want to suggest he's grasping at straws here, 
but it's they, a different prospect. They don't want to be in the same position they were in last season where with three games left, it's out of their hands. Remember, like it was in Liverpool's hands. If they got seven points from the last three games, they would have won the league. City, it's when Torre and Boney come back, maybe we'll see a completely different Manchester City. But it looks, it just looks to come easier to Chelsea. Yeah, that every game now, maybe with the exception of tomorrow and the exception of when they're at home against a team in the bottom half. But certainly when Manchester City are away to anybody, you look at it and think they could draw this game. This could easily be a one-all. And where's the fight? Hmm. So. I don't know. You're, you're, company again last weekend. You're thinking a mistake. You're, you're thinking. You're not thinking around the place a lot. A draw this weekend, are you? No, no. I think Manchester City will win yeah. this. But <laughs> sorry, I, <laughs> you were just back on a Vincent Company a, uh, rant there. Well, Vincent Company was that fault the for the, was that fault for the Chelsea goal last weekend? Right, I was away. I haven't seen but it. But he did. He did do the whole. Oh, oh I can't believe that happened. Oh, it's so unlike me to make such a mistake. It's like no, no, no. That happens all the time, Vincent. <laughs> But you're a good guy. You're a nice guy. So yeah, you know, I love charity media. work. Yeah, he yeah. knows where that camera is in that Manchester City tunnel. <laughs> You're not like Joe Hart. He's not like Joe Hart. <laughs> Why would Joe Hart? Joe Hart, you oh, you were probably away. Joe was. Joe Hart when they were knocked out of the uh, FA Cup. Actually, I think it was the day you were getting married. They were knocked out of the FA Cup, and uh, Joe Hart is in the tunnel. And afterwards, and he's like, ah, "We didn't need to win this, anyways." Not realizing that he was on camera. What? Ooh. That's not good. No. Um, anyway, I don't know if we need to pour over Manchester City, Hull City. Uh, particularly. No, I think we'll talk a lot more about City in a month's time, seeing mm. what the gap is then when they have everybody back and when we know exactly what sort of challenge they're going to put up to Chelsea. But at the moment, I'm not really convinced. Did you feel like tonight maybe a new era is starting for Richard Dortmund? <laughs> no. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I really do love that one. QPR and Southampton. Harry's gone, obviously, Loftus Road. Swansea Sunderland at the Liberty Stadium. Not, not worry overly about those. But the late game on Saturday is Merseyside Derby. Everton Liverpool at Goodison Park. And in some ways, Nathan, I would suggest it's already been a season that has been pretty much one to forget I suppose of both of them up to certainly up to recently and up to over uh, up to over recent weeks to varying degrees for both of them but then suddenly a sense for both of them that actually the future doesn't look so bad I mean particularly for Liverpool well particularly for Liverpool they've turned things around completely I still wouldn't be convinced by Everton at all but the first win in eight was it was it Palace last weekend tomorrow's a huge game because if Liverpool were to lose it just kills the resurgence and suddenly there's questions about Rodgers and about their tactics, mm. and I, I just, I'm so interested to see what Liverpool's team will be, because they're a better team without Steven Gerrard in it. Right, it's his last derby. He wants to go out and high. He's not the guy who's going to sort of gracefully disappear into the background in the Merseyside derby. He's going to be the one that's going to be pushing forward. Get yeah. that goal. He played uh, the full ninety against Bolton during the week, so whether Rodgers has the balls to just leave him out I'm not quite sure Alright as always uh, we've had to uh, make a little switch of studio there but uh, our kind thanks to our colleague George Hook who's uh, provided us with the facility for the next few minutes to wrap up our Friday football podcast Literally 7.5 minutes we have Alright So be quick Slightly less than that but No nonsense on. uh, We were talking about Everton Liverpool I think when we uh, Yeah we were just about to start Right. Merseyside derby yeah Stevie G's last derby is where we were at we were taking the piss out of him and saying that he wanted all the glory for himself 
Uh, that has been the tone of the podcast for a good six months now. It really has. Uh, big few days for Liverpool in the context of them trying to push into that top four that we mentioned. They have Everton and then Tottenham. Uh, both games that could have a big say in their efforts to get inside the top four and then a lot of distractions to come after that. So actually in the context of Liverpool's season, outside of it being the derby, this is actually quite a big ba- game for them. Yeah, and it's probably no coincidence that Liverpool and Spurs in particular have gone on a good run over the last few months now that all the European football has been out of the way. So Liverpool struggled massively with coping with European football because Brendan didn't have enough time on the training pitch. Mm. He likes to have a lot of time on the training pitch. You're not going to get it, Brendan. You need to get over this. Well, if you get you need out to of the work, FA Cup and uh, you need to work better. You need to work quicker. Smart, the smart edge, Anthony Daly would call it. Yeah, that's exa- that is exactly it. I don't understand why he keeps saying this. Oh, didn't have enough time on the training pitch this season or during the summer. That's what happens when you're successful. You don't. Mm. You have to turn things around quickly. Um, this is... It's it's a huge derby, not just because it's Steven Gerrard's last derby, but Liverpool have such good momentum behind them at the moment that a defeat to Everton with Spurs coming so quickly afterwards in midweek could really dent their hopes of finishing in the top four. And for Everton, it's just been an absolute nightmare season. James McCarthy could be back, which would be a huge boost. We mentioned on the show last night how Garth Barry has literally just fallen mm. off the literally fallen off the edge of a cliff literally well Lit- the dictionary will tell you that's, uh, that's perfectly fine yeah um, he looks a very old man um, so they need McCarthy back I'm just not convinced by Everton there's they have a lot of very good players but compared to all the teams around them it's easy to see why they've dropped back Lukaku the player we thought might be the exceptional the world class player he's just not that yeah, and a lot of other interesting It's angles. always a brilliant game, though. Yeah, yeah. Because they kill each other. Yeah. The friendly derby. It's very friendly in the stands. Mm. I've been to quite a few of them over the last few years, and it's always enjoyable to watch. Yeah, right. The supporters get on quite well. And I've always heard the uh, stewards at Anfield before the match saying, when they're having their briefing a couple of hours beforehand, this is not like any other match. If you see a guy in a blue jersey sitting there, it's not like Manchester United, where we throw them out. No. This guy could be his brother. Right. You just yeah, leave him yeah. there. God, that's so unless point, there's yeah. proper trouble. Now, it's half five tomorrow evening. Police weren't happy about it. Mm. Because people have more drinking time, essentially, is what you're saying. Yeah. Um, Not having that. It's an old, sort of old school, goes to park, one of the old school grounds, right? It's, oh, yeah. It's, well, it's, yeah, it's one of my favourite grounds to go to because right. from a, a media, it's very like Anfield from a media point of view, you're sitting right in the stand, right amongst the supporters. So it's one of those when you're doing commentary, you're always going to, Probably get a little bit of fruity language. Mm. Well, we look forward to hearing that uh, fruity language on the airwaves on uh, Saturday. We're not going to hear it on Saturday. We'll we'll have updates. We'll have reporters at all these games, as we do every Saturday. On to Sunday. Burnley-West Brom is the first game at midday. Uh, Newcastle-Stoke, five past two. You're going to be at that one alongside Stephen McPhail. And then West Ham against Manchester United from a quarter past four at Upton Park. Dave and Kenny Cunningham at this one. And listening to John Giles on the programme last night, uh, saying that he's unconvinced by Louis van Gaal. Uh, the notion of playing consciously as opposed to an instinct. John thought that was an absolute nonsense. And it's funny, really, how in many ways we're sort of six months into the LVG reign and that sense still lingers around Van Gaal that really most of us are still kind of unsure as to where he's at tactically. And we're kind, and it looks as though the players are also kind of unsure. You're fine. No, come on ahead. Come on ahead. So, no, but we forgot. Gosh, we really forgot. forgot. It's only a podcast that nobody listens to, so... I know. No, 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 no. Hey, hey, hey. Sorry, we hey. five people. We oh, the chair people. is warm. Yeah, and uh, they, those were the sounds of us once again being turfed out of the studio 
Uh, this time by our uh, colleague George Hook, as I mentioned, and his uh, Friday co-presenter, uh, Dr. Kelly. I can't believe you were so disparaging towards our listenership figures. Only only five people listen to us anyways. Well, I mean, I say that, that, is, I say that on the podcast. That's, that, it's, this it's, is no secret. You now, don't say it to George have you, Hook. Have we need looked? to build this up to George Hook. We need to say, hey, Hook, you're talking about the number one podcast in town. Just because you got your new Six Nations podcast for the next few weeks. This is our studio. Get back. Have you? <laughs> That's what uh, I was expecting you to say. Uh, That's what I was going to say. And I thought, no, no, Adrian, you're now the senior member yeah. in the sports department. I'd leave it to you. I thought I'd be going above my station. Two points. Uh, three points. First of all, that generally doesn't stop you. Second of all, have you ever had a conversation with George Hook and found success <laughs> is, uh, is found by directly telling him the lie of the land? Listen, there's a first time for everything. And thirdly, in terms of our listenership, have you ever looked at the amount of people who ever who all the time? Yeah, yeah. And five is not five. entirely not entirely certainly inaccurate. more than five. Six. Some weeks we get to the heady heights. Well, the week you're not here. Yeah, that's very uh, very well pointed out. Uh, I don't know where we were. I think we were talking about Man United. Uh, we're talking about Louis Van Gaal. Yeah, and it's probably something we've spoken about quite a bit on the podcast. That in a strange way, it shows why Louis Van Gaal was the right man for the job. Imagine if Ryan Giggs had got the job. They spent 160 million quid on yeah. players and they were scraping about battling for a Champions League place. And that's not even the bigger issue. The issue is the level of performance, which is just woeful. Mm. Even with all the attacking talent, like they've got everybody this weekend. They've got Van Persie, Rooney, Falcao, Mata, De Maria, all available. Yeah, There's no great link-up play between them, they... They score goals. Is it just a case? Uh, Johnny Evans said this week that it's Johnny starting Evans, like, to come right and that inevitably when a new manager comes in, uh, he wants to play a new way and it just takes time to bet in and they're getting there. And is there some merit to that? Like he, he obviously was at the World Cup so he didn't arrive until late in the day. They've used more players than any other uh, team in the Premier League. 32 players up to this point of the season. That's 12 more than Chelsea, granted, who are the team who've had the least rotation. But is is this just, I mean, he's he's quite, in terms of his character, he's quite a um, bullish character that seems to be very clear in his own thought process and in his own plan and in his own tactical ideas. And it, are we just seeing the manifestation of somebody who's still getting to grips with the bunch of players that he has and how we should use them? Well, unfortunately, we won't be able to answer that question until the Van Gaal era comes to an end because if they are progressing they've they've got better in recent weeks but still if there's moments in games and you're thinking wow how is this team even contending for a Champions League the team can get at their defence so easily the players still seem quite confused about what's their best position Van Gaal seems quite confused about where he wants to play people playing Angel Di Maria up front for a couple of matches playing Wayne Rooney in the centre midfield not as a number 10 playing as an actual centre midfielder he has one decent game in five. I know John Giles is a big fan of playing him in there as well. I just mm. don't see it. I haven't seen it in his performances. He can be anonymous. The game can just completely pass Wayne Rooney by. Mm. So I, I, it's, I, I just think it's a really hard question to, to answer because yeah. we won't... Like, it's, like, like if you look back at the... Uh, the so like it's a good point that you make that you see we've seen advances in the last few weeks and then prior to that, maybe not so good... Prior to that again, pretty good. Prior to that again, not so good. So it's like this roller coaster of uh, performances and outcomes. And actually, maybe a lot of people might argue that in terms of performance and tactics, along all that time, the the graph has been quite low. That the results, it's the results that have roller coastered, and actually, the tactics all along have not been the most amazing thing. No, I still think back to the Sunderland game I was at 
I think it was the second game of the season, and it was, without a shadow of a doubt, the worst Manchester United performance I've ever seen. It was so not Manchester United. Yeah. There was no confidence. All the guys are looking around thinking, what am I doing? Chris Smalling's bringing the ball over the halfway line and then turning around and passing it back to the goalkeeper. And mm. that sort of uncertainty is still there a lot of the time. That it, it, Perhaps it's just fear that the likes of Johnny Evans, that Van Gaal isn't putting the arm around him and saying, it'll all be all right, trust mm. me. That in fact he's just nailing them constantly. You have to improve. My reputation, it's right here. It's going nowhere. Mm. You're the guys who have to go out and prove it. And the That's not a bad just... thing, is it? Because like, like with David Moyes, obviously, and I don't know when to keep going back to the David Moyes thing. I mean, the same point really, well, yeah. Same point probably applies to Ryan Giggs in terms of his coaching experience. That David Moyes couldn't say, well, my reputation is intact because mm. his reputation rested on how he did with Man United. Whereas Louis van Gaal, obviously, is not quite a footnote in his career, but he's achieved other things. Well, that's why we said at the very start... Or certainly I said at the very start that this is why he's the perfect appointment that Manchester United need Louis van Gaal mm. or Ma- Louis van Gaal needs Manchester United so, now so, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a success it means that you're going to have a little bit of stability mm. whereas I do think if Ryan Giggs had got the job Manchester United were in this position and the performance level was so low that there'd be huge questions over his future Yeah, but because it's van Gaal he gets to buy a bit of time if they finish fifth that could change very quickly if Last game of the season, Liverpool sneak in ahead of them or Spurs sure sneak in all, ahead look of them. It's all a transition process, Nathan. You know, we finished fifth. Things are going to be better next season. I, I, I would wonder if Manchester United finish outside the top four, whether he will definitely be there for next season. They've spent a huge amount of money. They had to spend a lot of money. And if Jair was here, he would say, the money is irrelevant. It's Manchester United. They have an endless supply of money. But even still, the owners would look and think, we spent 160, 170 million quid and we still couldn't finish in the top four? You're not convinced. You think he's there for the long haul? I really do. I, I, I think they could finish fifth or sixth and he'll still go back to the board and say, look at lads, look at the amount of players I've got through this season. That becomes a pro for him. And he says, look, at I've been through all these tactics. I now know what I'm doing here. I have and got this shit. You're going to give me another 200 million quid to Honestly, improve it again? yeah. And he just drops his pants and says, hey, you the size of these. Probably a good note to wrap things up on, Nathan. I don't know how to respond to that. I think we spent more time talking about Louis van Gaal's balls than any other topic yeah. all season. His balls didn't pop into my, my mind, not to say, when you said about him dropping spats. It wasn't, that is, that is all, first why else visual. would I be talking It wasn't the first visual it. that I had, I have to admit. But okay. alas, there we go. That story went over your head. Um, no, just, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's just awkward about. now. I know exactly what you're talking about, but... Uh, I'd rather not address it if uh, that's all right with you. Uh, we'll wrap up on our trebles, by the way. Southampton, I have Southampton to win a QPR. And then uh, City to beat Hull and Chelsea to beat Villa. So I've gone out and limb with the last two. Uh, for my five, I get about three to one of their butts. I'm not sure of my odds, but I was going for Swansea, for Liverpool, and for Manchester United. Swansea to win at home to Sunderland, Liverpool to beat Everton, and United Nathan, it's been a pleasure to be back on the Friday Football Podcast. It only took us four hours between changing studios. It's really been a long, it's been a long, I, I bet it for the listeners stroke downloaders, or downloaders, let's call them downloaders, even though, you know, you platforms. Um, I bet they'll have noticed a change in, you know, it's a reflection of how our Friday has gone. Full of beans to begin with. And now we're just, we're just beating.